Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Susan. Do keep that open. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you are watching over us now. Your eye is on us. And you know our needs, our fears, our challenges. Please help us to see you and see you more clearly. Please strengthen our faith in you. Give us encouragement for your name's sake. Amen. What a lovely psalm. One of the best-known, best-loved psalms in the Psalter we look at this morning, Psalm 121. I wonder what you think when you see hills and mountains. I guess for all of us, they can be an awe-inspiring sight. I know from my wife, Jules, if she sees a hill, she has an insatiable desire to climb it. That is what she is thinking, and the rest of the family, when we see hills, if we're with her, we know what she's thinking, and most of us are thinking, yikes, please, no, no. She's thinking of the view from the top. We're thinking of all the slog and the effort to get there. Well, the psalmist says, as he lifts his eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? So I suspect he's a little bit more like me. As he lifts his eyes to the hills, for him, they're a picture, a metaphor, if you like, of challenges and obstacles and difficulties that lie ahead. This psalm is, is one of a number of, of pilgrim psalms, one of 15 songs of ascent. You'll see that title at the top of the psalm. Psalms that were sung, it seems, by pilgrims on their way up to Jerusalem. That's how it was spoken of as we speak of going up to, to London. Three times a year, the Jews were meant to go up to Jerusalem, to the temple, for one of the great feasts. And it seems they sang these psalms on the journey. I can remember countless renditions of ten green bottles uh, in the car on long, long journeys and the sort of inane songs like that. Can I say, these psalms are much more edifying, much more encouraging songs to sing on the journey. And they're given to us to encourage us. It's often suggested of these 15 psalms, they, they, they seem to sort of break into triplets, into threes, and I don't know if that always works, but it certainly seems to be true of the first three psalms in this series. So if you just look back to the previous one, Psalm 120, you'll see verse 1. It begins with the psalmist in distress. He's feeling at odds 
with all the evil around him, the place he is, feeling far, far away from where he longs to be with God's people, far from home. Verse 5, he, he speaks there of, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Actually, Meshech was in the far, far north, way beyond the, the borders of Israel. Kedar was way to the south, beyond the borders of Israel. And he wasn't living in two places at the same time. They're both just places that, that speak of the sense of being far, far away from where he longs to be, far from home, far from God's people, from God's house. That's where he longs to be. And then if you look on to Psalm 122, well, there's a, a song to sing when you've arrived. It speaks of the joy of at last being with God's people in Jerusalem. But between those two psalms comes our psalm. Between those two experiences, there's a journey. There are hills to climb. And that's what our psalm seems to be about. As the psalmist lifts his eyes to the hills, he's, as it were, viewing all the, the challenges and difficulties, the dangers that seem to lie ahead. Pilgrimage might take many, many days of journeying, days without shelter, days with maybe hard paths to follow, dangers of accidents, your foot slipping, dangers of bandits, robbers, and so on. And of course, like those pilgrims, as Christians, the Bible says we are on a journey too. Our life, if you like, is a journey to the new Jerusalem. That's our destination, which we sang of earlier, being there eternally in God's house with God's people. And for us on the journey, there are challenges, there are hills to climb. And at times we might well ask, where does my help come from? Actually, the psalmist asks himself that question. He knows the answer. He's going to tell himself the answer. But he wants to remind himself not just to fix his eyes on the hills, but to fix his eyes on his help. And we need to learn to do that, as it were, to speak to ourselves and fix our eyes in the right place. Um, speaking on a different psalm, another great preacher from last century called Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, said that the problem for many of us, we spend too much of our time listening to ourselves rather than speaking, talking to ourselves. And in this psalm, that the psalmist helpfully talks to himself. Where does my help come from, he says. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Actually, from verse 3, he'll start speaking it in the second person. You, he says. And I think, again, he's perhaps addressing himself, speaking to himself, or possibly it's fellow pilgrims now on the journey with him, speaking to him. Often we need other people to speak truth to ourselves as well. Maybe that's what's going on. Here is a psalm to speak to ourselves or to speak to one another. As we think of hills, maybe challenges ahead that we think we might face, we fear we might face. Maybe we feel we're bang in the midst of the hills right now and struggling. And as we lift our eyes, we think, can I make it? Well, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, the psalmist says, where does my help 
come from. And that word help means not, where can I get a little bit of assistance, extra pair of hands, someone just to maybe take the backpack for a, for a, a little while. As though we've kind of got the resources for the most part, we just need a little bit of extra assistance. That's how many people think. Mostly they think they've got the resources in themselves, in their savings, in their successes that will get them through to the end of the journey. But this word help the Bible uses implies is much, much more than that. Help is what you cry out when you say, help! And you know you can't do it yourself. You need someone to rescue you. And all of us at times need that. We don't have the resources in and of ourselves. And as we lift our eyes to the hills, maybe that reminds us, where does my help come from? The psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the whole psalm is really just there to make us ponder and take in that wonderful, wonderful truth. Faced by hills, our help is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The God of limitless power, the psalmist will say. God of limitless care. Two things we're going to focus on then. First heading, limitless power. He sees the hills and he remembers, my help comes from the one who made them. My help comes from the one who made everything. He is the maker of heaven and earth. It's what we said together in the creed. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. Wonderful truth to remind ourselves of. And actually, when the Bible speaks of God as maker, it's not simply meaning he's the creator who made everything in the beginning. It's a truth that means also he's the one who sustains everything, upholds everything. Nothing would exist without him. And therefore, he's the one also who is sovereign over everything. So as the psalmist looks at the hills, considers the threats, the dangers, the challenges ahead, he remembers God is the one who made each one of those hills. He upholds each one. He is sovereign over each one. Not a sparrow falls to the ground in God's earth, but unless he wills it. Nothing is beyond the scope of his power. No pain is beyond his control. No tears beyond his comfort. Psalm 120 reminds us that this world is a hostile world in many ways. We feel like aliens and strangers at times within it. Psalm 121 says, nevertheless, it's God's world. And the God who made heaven and earth wonderfully, he remembers, is the Lord. And when the Bible has Lord in capital letters like that, it's referring to the personal name of God, the name he revealed to Moses at the burning bush, Yahweh, Jehovah. It's God's covenant name that captures all that he is to his people, his commitment to them, to save them, to keep them. As Christians, when we we see that uh, name, Lord, in capital letters, we might now read it as 
Father. Father, that captures who God is to us now. The relationship we have now. His love and commitment to us. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from my Father, maker of heaven and earth, the God of limitless power. I can lift my eyes to the hills and think, my Father made them. He put them there. He shaped each one. He knows every contour and he knows me. Every hair on my head is numbered. So there is nothing, nothing I need fear in all creation because my Father is the creator. He's the upholder, the one who sustains everything. He's the ruler, God of limitless power. And then secondly, he's a God of limitless care. The word that comes again and again in the rest of the psalm is that little phrase, he watches over us. Five times we have it in the NIV. Actually, it's six times in the original. Again and again, the psalmist is telling himself, telling us, that the Lord watches over you. 24-7, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, protecting you from every danger, every second of every day, every day of your life. Talk about comprehensive cover. Could it be more comprehensive than what is described here? Limitless care is what he remembers. I think it's interesting that he actually spends six verses to ram this point home, having spent really just one verse on reminding us that God is a God of limitless power. But I think often we need particularly to remind ourselves of this truth. I speak to people going through hard times, facing cancer, and sometimes they've been quick to acknowledge God is sovereign. I kind of trust God's hand over this. He's sovereign. Sometimes a little bit slower to remember and trust that he cares he really cares for me. Sometimes we can be quick to acknowledge, yes, limitless power. We're not always sure he would use all that power for me. Maker of heaven and earth, every planet, every star he upholds. But will he keep me, we sometimes wonder, as we think of the difficulties we're facing well, so for six verses, the psalmist speaks to himself, or maybe it's these fellow pilgrims with him, speaking to him and assuring him, your God cares for you personally. It's you singular. Cares for you personally, perfectly, permanently. There is no limit to his care for you. It takes time to suppress the point Home. So let's just dwell on each verse and let this truth sink into our hearts. Because I guess there will be a number here who perhaps especially need to hear this and be assured of this. God's limitless care for you. Verse 3. The psalmist says, He will not let your foot slip. Of course, for pilgrims in those days, no sort of paved roads or pavements, whatever. Rough mountain paths and a slip, a fall, could be disastrous. Well, some of you are of an age where 
much more you begin to be conscious of the danger of a fall and what that could mean. It's a fearful thing. What does the psalmist quite mean, though? Is he saying we're never going to have a fall? We're never going to stumble? Spiritually, we're never going to make a misstep? Go off path? He's saying we'll, we'll have no cuts and bruises when we reach our destination? No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is God will get you to the destination. He will not let you fall by the wayside. We're saying he will keep you, keep you to the end. That's what Jude says at the end of his little letter in the New Testament, that God is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. He will get you there. That's the point. It's what Jesus promised um, when he said to his disciples, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hands. He doesn't promise a trouble-free life. He promises eternal life. And he says, I will keep you. No one, no one shall snatch you out of my hand. As we look at the hills, challenges that lie ahead of us, maybe we sometimes think, will I make it? Will I fall by the wayside? And without his help, we surely would. But he promises, he will not let your foot slip. And he goes on, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He won't take his eyes off us. He will never nod off. He won't get tired or weary or distracted. He won't suddenly think, gosh, what's happened to Pete? Um, no. 24 hours a day, he has his eye on us, watching over us, moment by moment. Before the Wesley brothers, John and Charles were converted. They were actually very, very religious at the time, but not yet a real faith relationship with the Lord Jesus. They were on a boat to America, and on board the boat with them were some Moravian missionaries and their families. And the boat got caught in a violent storm, so much so there was some panic everywhere on board. But those missionaries and their children were perfectly calm. They even slept I don't know whether it was John or Charles, said to them, how can you sleep through all this? And they quoted to him, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's no point both of us being awake, they said. <laughs> not for a second, not for a second will God stop watching over us. The psalmist is saying to himself, he's the one who watches over Israel. Absolutely committed to his people. He has proved that, demonstrated that. And so we're to trust. He will watch over me. His care is constant and it's, it's close. Verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Soldiers typically held their shields in their, in their left hand. So the right side was often thought to be the kind of more vulnerable side, more exposed side. Wonderfully, God's is the shade at our right hands. Wonderful picture of him being 
close to us, close to protect us. A number of times in the Psalms, of course, it, the Psalmist speaks of being in the, in the shadow of, of God's wings, a beautiful picture of God's protection over us. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a lovely picture of his close protection, which means we can rest. Even faced by hills and challenges, we can rest because he's there protecting us, our shade at our right hand. And verse 6, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. As he mentions the two extremes of day and night, sun and moon, it's a way of trying to express the totality of his care. It includes everything in between, every kind of danger he will protect us from. All the dangers of the daytime, all the dangers of the night, whatever they might be. I think often the dangers of the night are more in our heads, aren't they? Nighttime is when Fears seem to grow larger and larger, and stress and worry trouble us, torment us, keep us awake. Maybe we might think of it as a way of expressing dangers real and imagined. Daytime fears, nighttime fears. But really the point is complete, complete protection all the time. We had the story of a husband He's about to go away for work, and he was praying with his family. He said, Lord, Lord, please, please protect my family while I'm away. And his his wife chipped in, who do you think protects us when you're here? (laughs) That's right, the Lord, the Lord is the one who protects. His care is constant. His care is comprehensive. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. That almost seems to overpromise, doesn't it? I mean, that can't be true. All harm. The Psalms are, are very honest that we're going to face trials and difficulties. There will be sorrows and sadnesses and pains of different kind. So what does he mean when he says the Lord will keep you from all harm? But what he means is that those difficulties and trials, those sorrows and sadnesses, will not harm us. If God is the maker of heaven and earth, if he's our father who is constantly watching over us, protecting us, then we're remembering that none of those things can harm me. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, says Paul. All these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, nothing, nothing can harm us, even if the Lord allows various trials and difficulties to be in our way, many hard hills to climb. It's actually why Jesus, I think, says some rather surprising words. In Luke 21, he says this to his disciples, you'll be betrayed even by your parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. They'll put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. 
You say, what, what do you mean? People are going to kill me. They're going to all hate me. And yet not a hair of my head will perish. Doesn't sound like it. Jesus is saying none of those things will harm you. Yeah, tough things will happen. Maybe very hard things will happen. But the assurance is with God as our help, nothing, nothing can harm us. Spurgeon expressed it like this. He said, it is impossible that any ill, a truly harmful thing, it's impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. Ill to him is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor. Death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. Happy is he who is in such a case. He is secure where others are in peril. He lives where others die. That's to be our confidence. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Whatever we do, wherever we are, true now, wonderfully we can be confident it will be true forevermore. Limitless care. Not promising us a cushioned life, it's promising us a kept life. It's not saying God will remove us out of every danger. It's promising that he will keep us and protect us amidst every danger. There will be dangers to face. There will be hills to climb. Or as another psalm puts it, there'll be dark valleys to walk through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're with me. My shade at my right hand. That rod and staff, speaking of his protection and his guidance. If we go off piste, he will pull us back. He'll make sure our foot does not slip. You lift your eyes to maybe unknown dangers ahead of us. Maybe you lift your eyes and you think of all the difficulties you're facing at the moment. Wonder if you ever think, will I make it? I often look back and I think, I don't know how I made it this far. And uh, the psalm reminds us, it's only because my help comes from the Lord, the one who is father to me, maker of heaven and earth, the God of limitless power, the God, God who watches over me, constantly, perfectly, with limitless care. And that's to be our confidence, which we need to remind ourselves of, remind one another of. This was Jesus' confidence with the hills that he faced. He could sing this psalm, and as we sing in the King's Choir, well, he invites us to learn to sing this song with him. Just before we... Um, I pray and we, we sing a final song. Let's, can we read it together? Just to speak this truth to ourselves. Speak this truth to one another. So from verse 1, together. 
I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let me pray. Father, please help us. Too, too often we think too much of the hills and not enough do we lift our eyes to our help. We praise and thank you that we can know your help on the journey. In our weakness, that we can be sure of your power with all the unknowns and uncertainties and fears we might have, we can be sure of your perfect, constant care. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.